Welcome to the Winged It F1 podcast after the Belgian Grand Prix, probably one of the weirdest F1 races for quite some time. Uh, I'm with Adam Dickinson. Uh, and he's still not back. He will be back soon, though, hopefully. Uh, he's still having fun on the beach somewhere in the east of the world, west of the world, not east of the world. Somewhere <laughs> in the world. Somewhere, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was... How are you doing, Adam? I nearly forgot again. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, apart from a completely wasted morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. I'm not not best pleased that I've... That's three and a half hours, four hours that I'm never going to get back again. But um, there's lots to talk about Not the first here. time you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's lots to talk about here, so looking forward to discussing that. Yes, no. Definitely is, uh, well, I mean, where do we start? Verstappen won the race, of course, but I mean, can we, call it, can we even call it a race? Uh, so he did a few laps behind the safety car, half points were given, very wet. Was the right decision made in the end to not, well, yeah, two. I guess there's two things. Was the right decision made in the end to you know have a go and should they have given out points? I I don't think they should have given out points for it because I I just don't it, it's rewarding qualifying I think it just seems to be you know I'm really really happy particularly that Russell got his um, his podium which is fantastic for him after he missed out on probably a race win um, in Saki last year and I think that's fantastic but. I just, you know, it's there wasn't there wasn't any racing. There was it was entirely laps behind the safety car and points rewarded for the race and to kind of effectively award the points for the qualifying just to get, I don't know, the scores on the board or something just seems quite weird. And but you know, I I see why they did it, but I I don't think it's the right thing. Okay, I think. I wouldn't have minded if they didn't, but equally I don't mind that they have in a way. I, I, I'm not, I'm not too. I don't have much of an opinion about whether they should have or shouldn't. Makes a change. Uh, yeah, I know. Weird, isn't it? So because uh, if you, if you take away the points from Russell to get P two, you know that is that would hurt quite a bit. I feel, but then again, I shouldn't look at it just because Russell did well. I should look at it because of you know if it happens next race or whatever. So. It's a tough one. Uh, I think I, I know Hamilton after the race. He said uh, it was all about money, basically, and he did it well. Not money, like well, first to have a race and for money, because like yeah, you need to have a race to build contractual obligations and stuff and stuff like that. So yeah, like, what would you, is there anything of that you make, or do you want to respond to my point, which wasn't the point? <laughs> no, like I, I get where you're coming from, and you know, kind of with. Um... No, with individual drivers, it's it's good, and you know, like Ricardo's now got his best um, finish of the season and stuff like that. So, yeah, I get it, but it's just, I, you know, I just think the race is where points should be awarded for, and you know, it's not. I just don't see why, you know, I, I get why they did the safety car, you know, running behind the safety car to assess whether it was viable to race on that. I understand yeah. kind of that aspect of it. And they had, you know, a lot of things going around, you know, particularly the medical car doing a lot of laps, which um, 
was either just for the TV cameras or for a Mercedes advert or to feedback to the stewards about the drivability of the track. But I just, yeah, I don't really, I don't see how you can just, you know, give give points for such minimal running, personally. And, you know, it's, in the championship battle, it's not, you know, it might be significant. It might not be for a lot of positions and constructors championship as well. We don't know until the end of the season. But, yeah, I think... You know, it's not to take away from the achievements of any of the qualifiers. The staff and putting it on pole was fantastic by him, and he really nailed that final lap when the pressure was up. And obviously, Russell, Vettel, um, oh. Ricardo, yeah, all did fantastically. Um, but you know, F F one's not kind of rewarding twelve and a half points for that or mm. nine points for that. Really, is what I think. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's because. Freddie isn't here to give a different opinion, but you because like it's just me and you, you have kind of <laughs> like guided me towards your view because I think you are right. With only there wasn't any green flag running, there wasn't any racing, so I think I think you are right. They perhaps shouldn't have given any points. Uh, so yeah, uh, you are. Think, you have, yeah, go on. Yeah, on, on the wider point, I think it was the right decision not to race. Um, particularly a rouge and I don't know whether we'll talk about that this week or um, next week or next podcast but you know there were some really scary crashes that happened there particularly the W Series 1 and you know effectively that's what happened with Hubert is that the crash structures on cars are meant to absorb one impact and that's meant to be it's meant to be hitting the wall or a driver hitting you and that's that and they deform to reduce the um, speed of impact or the force of impact that then pushes through to the driver and that's their job done so if you've got someone hitting the wall and then spinning back into the racing line where cars are going you know 180 miles an hour um even in the wet norris was on his quality lap he was absolutely pinning it so you know and then you've got coming back onto the track with that and a blind hill i think you know that is extremely dangerous and you know it's not i think it's quite lucky that no one got seriously hurt this weekend, to be honest. Or um, So I think it was the right decision to not race, but um, maybe some of the um, the route they took to get to that decision yeah. raises a lot of questions. Yeah, that's exactly why I think. I think they made the right decision in the end, but the way they got there wasn't uh, clear, let's say, uh, to say, to say the least. I mean... Uh, they said it was a race start, even though the race, even though the race start procedure hadn't hadn't started, and then they said Perez couldn't be in the race, then he could, and then there was the race window which started, even though the race was delayed to like three twenty. So why did the race window start at three o'clock? It was just they they all seemed to be making it up as they went along. Is that what to the new share? Oh, hundred percent. So it was. Turn, you know, turned it on at five to eight and whatever, and it's like, oh, it's delayed by 20 minutes, and then it's delayed by another five minutes, and then they eventually got going at 20 past or 25 past, and did a few laps behind the safety car, and throughout that, it was just kind of put as the warm-up laps or the or multiple formation laps in terms of the graphics and the imagery and what the TVs were showing and the information they were giving us about it was it was multiple formation laps. Um, under the safety car before the start and then they all pulled back into the pit lane 
and they hadn't started the race, but there'd been a race clock, which is a three-hour um, clock for the race to be completed, and it had started at three o'clock local time, which is when the race was meant to start, but obviously it hadn't started, which just seemed really bizarre that, you know, I, I, I understand what the race clock there for, but starting it at, you know, starting at 25 minutes before the Grand Prix actually kicks off, or doesn't kick off, just seemed bizarre. Then there was Red Bull asking if they could put Perez back in because he crashed on the way to the for uh, sorry on the way to the grid, um, which we haven't even mentioned so far because that's how much of a crazy morning for me and afternoon for you it was. And so he, he was in his garage and Red Bull was saying, "Oh, can we fix his car?" And at the, at the start, of the FIA said no, um, <laughs> and then. Red Bull said, well, the race hasn't actually started yet. We've just done formation laps and that's that. And they said, oh, yeah, I'll go on then. Um, so he, he would have started from the pit lane if things had actually got underway. Um, and there was just this big thing about has the race started or hasn't it? Because it seemed like Michael Massey and the race directors, you know, stewards didn't think it had started, but then were using the rules of a race being underway to talk to Red Bull and everyone was confused. No one knew if the race had started or not. And in the end, they went back out for a few more laps at the end. And that was all behind the safety car as well. And then pulled in and that's that. It was a really strange morning and yeah, just bizarre. And I don't understand how they can't communicate all of that. It's really, really massive breakdown in communication. It's their job. I mean, they should know yeah. this rule. I mean, like, they know that what was coming, they should be prepared, really. And all, I mean, five years ago, I think about five years ago, they had this change with the uh, with the new formation lap start and stuff like that. And the, well, what it used to be was they just they rolled out the pit lane and then the race would start and then you'd get the lap counter. It would mm. go up. Yeah, it goes up, doesn't it? It goes like one, two, three, depending on how, how many laps you've been behind the safety car. And then they just tried to do it. Uh, and then they'd have the two-hour race clock. And then if it's a red flag, that stops. And then obviously the laps stop as well. And then that's all That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be... You don't need to be taking laps away every time a delayed message comes up or whatever. whatever's in the regulations now, which is baffling. It's just, it seems so overcomplicated. Yeah, definitely. And like the, the race culture seems such a, a necessary thing anyway, because it's not kind of timing in itself isn't a barrier. It's it's mainly lights is what, you know, a, a track that's not designed for night racing is what you need. And so that that's kind of the, the limiting factor, really, in terms of going later in the day. But yeah, I just, and then they stopped it. And then they kind of spend the whole whole time saying, oh, yeah, and then we've got two hours left and now we've got one and a half hours left and then with an hour left they stopped it and just said oh yeah well, well we wrote all that and it was just, just completely bizarre in every way and yeah I completely agree it doesn't need to be that complicated it doesn't need to be written down that complicated either it just you know have have some common sense applied to the rules and hopefully they'll go away and look at these afterwards because it, yeah, it's a bit of a farce really it's certainly not professional you look at you know the money that F1 is worth and goes into F1 and the amount of um, followers you know they have on social media and the kind of standing it has in the sporting world. It is one of the premier sports worldwide, and you just see this and it just looks totally unprofessional. And you know it's just it's like something 
like something you see in non-league football or something like that. It's it's just yeah, it, it's not what you'd expect from such a you know mega financial organization. And we've spoken a bit in the past, like since we started the podcast just over a year ago, about how Michael Massey some decisions in the FIA uh, with safety they've been questionable. And I kind of think today it kind of summed it all up in a way, or it kind of like summed up of how they are. And like, do you think it? Do you think it kind of puts Massey's? I don't know if I should say job, but his role is he. For it is that too harsh of a question? Was it, it seems to me there's a lot of decisions he's made which you think, why is he doing this? Does he know what he's doing? Does he fully understand the rules, kind of thing? Yeah, I think that's completely fair, and you know, just really like basic things, like in Turkey last week, uh, last year, sorry, and they put, um, you know, put quali- uh, started qualifying again. Well, things were slow. You know, it's not difficult. It's you know, and I understand it, it, they should have nailed it today, but I can understand, you know, it's a high pressure and completely, you know, um, it's the first time this has happened or the first time in a long time that this has happened. So, you know, I can understand a bit more, but there just seems to be basic things or yesterday with with qualifying and starting Q3 when you had drivers particularly Vettel saying it's too wet and then Norris hits the wall and it's like, oh, well, now it's a red flag. Like, that... Yeah, it's just decisions like that. And, you know, I think we, we've had this discussion a few times and that kind of tells its own story that we've been having this discussion several times on the podcast. But it kind of, I think sometimes it just feels like decisions are being made for the TV and for the viewership first. Mm. And, yeah, and other times it just feels like they don't know what's going on or there's not a kind of clear plan and clear procedure of what's, happening and today it was just completely though know, making it as they go along it was you know between everything and the clock running and not running and whether it started and Perez you know they um U-turned or doubled back on so many things it's so unclear and you know and a lot of the time that um Crofty and Brundle were getting there ahead of them and they were saying oh it should be this yeah. and then like in you know half an hour's time then the FIA would go oh yeah actually it's this or that Mazzy so yeah, and then yeah. that would confuse Brundle and Crofty because they're mm. like, oh, what? I mean, yeah. yeah, so I think there, there needs to be like a review into this and kind of look at it. And I agree, but equally, it's not, you know, you can't just kind of throw someone straight in there. So I don't know. You know there's a big training procedure and all of that to it. So I don't know kind of the logistical aspects of, you know, whether they can bring someone in or not. But I think there's certainly Massey's performance since stepping in leaves a lot to be desired on a lot of fronts, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we didn't get racing because, I've, I've, I mean, back to the original point, it was too dangerous. The visibility. I mean, the visibility was the problem. I don't think the rain, mm. at least in my opinion, I don't think the rain or the wet track was actually the issue. And I was thinking, like, why, why is this happening? Because in the past, they would have raced in these conditions or, or, or whatever. But... I kind of feel since we went to these bigger, wider cars in 2017 with the bigger tyres as well, is that creating more spray, which is why we had a problem today. Because I mean, we haven't had a, wet, a race like this or such a wet race since Brazil 2016. I, can't, I don't think there's been a race since then. So I just wonder if these wider cars are like indirectly 
they created a lot more spray. And yes, mm. it's, in, it's out sparring as well in the forests and fog and the rain and the, rain, the mist ha- hangs around. But I reckon that could have been a bit of an issue because I, I think the actual weather was all, was all right. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think the, I mean, you know, the F3, um, especially the race today, um, before the F1, you know, some of that going, you kind of, because of the camera angles, you'd see them going onto the camel straight side by side and then it had um, switched to the camera at Lake you know, or uh, air shot at Lake and it'd just be spraying. You'd just be waiting for the cars to appear. Um, and, you know, then they kind of appear in a different order or the same order or, you know, whatever, however they were there. So, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, a factor, um, I, you know, I think, as I say, with the F3, you know, it shows it was pretty biblically wet conditions. But, you know, I don't I don't think F1 has struggled to um, race in those in the past necessarily. But also, I think the Spa factor and the Rouge factor played a big role in it. And, yeah, especially what's happened earlier this weekend and the amount of criticism they got to running the race and then Norris's crash, I think all of that played into it as well. That, yeah, I think I think that's it. But I agree that the tyres, especially in bigger cars, will have played into that. Yeah, I mean the wet tyres. I mean in, in Corfam we saw didn't they? They just didn't want to use them because the performance wasn't there for whatever reason. So I do think that needs to be sorted out. I think I don't think the wet tyre compound is quite. Well, I don't think it's good enough, quite frankly, because, yeah, these kind of days, it should work, but it didn't work all weekend. And, and in fact, the wet tyre combine has not worked for a long time, because I think, I feel like they yeah, have kind of had this opinion for quite uh, quite some time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird one, because teams only use wet tyres when they absolutely have to, because there's yeah. so little tread in contact with the, um, you know, the asphalt compared to, the intermediates so you know we saw um russell going out for q1 on intermediate tires and he was you know so both williams actually and they were so much faster than the rest of the field so i think their job is basically for like clearing the track or it's kind of for putting on in these conditions and they can clear the track and they can spin at water but i think I think the idea is more for when it's not actually raining or, you know, when there's been like very heavy rain, but the rain's not continuing to come down. Um, but yeah, like you say, this is the time where they should be, you know, used and they should be perfect for these conditions. And the fact that they weren't and they couldn't race kind of, yeah, puts a big question mark over that. And yeah, hopefully something that they'll look out. But yeah, I think that's a really good, good point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was wet all, wet all weekend, wasn't it? And the qualifying, let's, let's talk a bit about that. It was a fantastic qualifying session. I mean, let's talk about Lando Norris first. It looks like if he didn't crash, he would have been in first place quite possibly because he was on it all the way through. So much confidence in the car in Q1 and Q2. But then he just got... It just got, yeah, he just made a mistake. I think, I, I, I mean, it was raining hard, but I do think it was a driver error. Am I being harsh? <laughs> no, I, th- I think, 
I think that's fair. It was it's so tough on him because, as you say, he was on it all through the qualifying. He was did he lead each session. Um, I can't remember, but he yeah he was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he led um, led the first two sessions, and he was just just a joy to watch. Really, he was you know extracting so much from the car and. You know, he, he potentially could have had a win, which is really, yeah. you know, it's it's so gutting for him. And again, it's it's another one like with the camera angles. You kind of saw him going down into um, into a rouge and then coming up, and then he kind of disappeared behind the trees because um, they had the helicopter shot on, and he was you know a bit behind the trees, and then he just doesn't come out. And then about a second or two seconds later, he seems spinning out. Um, and fantastic that he was all right. But I think, yeah, it was just it was just a little correction, and that pitched him in into the wall. And yeah, it's you know, especially especially with it being on a hillside, it's such a difficult corner in the rain, and it's different every time he ran it. And he was showing absolute commitment there. And I I think he would have got got pole, but as it was, it just wasn't meant to wasn't meant to be. And it's really tough for him. But that set up, you know, a, a battle for pole between Russell Hamilton and. Verstappen, which was just an unbelievable, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that. Russell, he set, he set it all up for one big effort at the end. And what an effort it was. Unbelievable. Uh, Howardson couldn't go faster. Verstappen pipped him at the end. I'll be honest, I kind of wanted Verstappen to lock up at the bus stop chicane final corner. <laughs> so Russell got pulled. Yeah. It was a monumental lap. One of the best performances I've ever seen in F1. It was just crazy. And then Williams, eight fastest car, seven four eight fastest car. Spa for shops, iconic track. Incredible lap. I think it has to be the performance of the year so far. In fact, I don't think he'll be beaten this year, quite frankly, unless he gets pole position next time out or something. Better than Alonso at um, Hungary? I think so. Yeah, I think it, I think so. I mean, it, it was brilliant. It was, yeah. Even if they went for a wet setup or, or whatever, to do that in a Williams, to, I mean, to beat Hamilton in a Mercedes, that's just, that's, it's not right. I mean, mad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's completely it's unbelievable. Like it, you know, it looks it looks like people, you know, something people do just you know for for trolling or they'll put like Russell second place bar in big letters and then like put a little like sentence in between like Russell can see second place or something like that to make it true. But it's it's just I can't believe it. And yeah, he was. I thought Hamilton was going to improve and then he didn't. And then, yeah, for Russell to come across the line and I was so hoping, um, you know, he kind of, this happened always looked like he'd do it in the last sector, yeah. unfortunately for Russell. But again, another driver who could have had, could have had their first race win. It was, it's just unbelievable. And I, I was just shocked. It's, it's just not something we're used to at all. You know, even like, you know, we've we've had more mixed up results in the race, and Ocon last week is a good, uh, sorry, last race is a good example of that. But not, you know, in qualifying, you know, we don't see that very often at all that any of the minnows are able to push ahead because it's such a kind of pure test of the car and the driver, and you know, particularly the car has such a big bearing on that. And there's 
not many ways that um, look or circumstance or whatever can come into it. But um, on this occasion, it didn't. Yeah, it's incredible for him that he got the um, got the second place. Really tough that he didn't get pole and a win. But yeah, it's it's just such a wild moment, and it in a in a weekend that will you know live long in the memory for good and bad reasons. I think that will definitely be a factor in that. Yeah. Now, maybe me, there's always another side to the story with Russell. <laughs> uh, so what I will say is, Lance Stroll has done it before, hasn't he, in Monza. 2017. Hulkenberg did it in Brazil 2017. He got pole position. Uh, Stroll got fourth, I think, in Monza. And even Bottas, when he was at Williams, 2013 Canadian Grand Prix, not many people remember this. He qualified third in the wet. Mm. And Williams were pretty bad that year as well. I think they finished eighth or ninth, something like that, in the constructor standings that year. So it has been done before, not to kill the Russell party or, or anything, but. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I know what you're saying, but equally it's kind of, you know, they've been so bad over the last few years. And, yeah, to be to be actually in provisional pole, you know, say the Hulkenberg, uh, when he did it, that wasn't, you know, as bad as Williams by any stretch as they have been over the last few years. And this one is because, you know, it's kind of easy to forget this in the last two rounds, but you know, it's been with the Alphas and the Haas. Yeah. It's you know it's not been able to get into the field battle at all in the races, and you know I think if you look at where the TV is putting it, that's probably a pretty accurate uh, reflection mm-hmm. of its um, of its speed and quality at the moment. So you know I think I get what you're saying as well, but it's just such a um, it's just such that's a just me being, that's just me being really annoying. I think when you just said yesterday <laughs> that you took back everything negative you ever said about yeah. Russell, so. <laughs> yeah, so you need to take back that as well. But but yeah, I'm really happy for him that he has got a podium and just as I say, another another incredible kind of picture and image. And you know, seeing him on the formation lap, seeing him running around behind Verstappen in front of Hamilton on the formation lap is just you know, it's going to be iconic. <laughs> Probably yeah. going to take a lot of explaining in future. It's just yeah, unbelievable. Mm, absolutely, and. You know, if this is what we're going to get next year, Russell and Hamilton at Mercedes, they're going to be that close, bring it on. Uh, hopefully that will be announced yeah. in the next... Well, they said they're not, they won't announce it until before... They said they won't announce it in the next two weeks until the triple headers end. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, well, hopefully we'll get announced in September sometime. Mm. Uh, I'm just trying to think what else happened in Corpheim. Stappen, Paul, obviously, Hamilton, Bird, Ricardo with a good performance, Vettel... Fifth as well. They both had, I was going to say, good weekends, but it was more like a good day <laughs> that turned into yeah. some good points. Uh, is there anything you want to say about them? Um, yeah, I think especially Ricardo in a season where he struggled to dial into the car and kind of push it to its limits. You know, this is one of the ultimate challenges in F1, really, Spa in the wet. So the way he was. I don't know whether, you know, there's much they can take from this in terms of the data and how much of this is transferable to, um, you know, to the rest of the season and to a dry Zandvoort, say, or a dry, dry Monza, sunny Monza. But, you know, the it's kind of just refreshing to see that and see him um, 
you know, celebrating with the the fans or doing it, trying to orchestrate a Mexican wave <laughs> was really uh, that was one of my favourite bits of the weekend. Um, but yeah, just you know, see him seem so positive, and I hope this can be kind of a turning point, or there is something they can carry over. But even if it's not for this year, just to kind of it shows. Yeah, it shows that there's still a fantastic driver in there, which you know, I think I'm not. I'm not we've so all been sure. Why? I'm not, because if Norris was there, I think Norris would have been 1.52 seconds ahead. And that's a pretty big margin. I mean, even if he hit the wall. Fish, I know he wasn't, but... Because of a driver like, error. In, in Q1 and Q2, Norris was, I think, three seconds ahead in Q1 or something ridiculous. You know, so... I don't, I, I'm not... Yeah, he, he, I, I he's from, I'm not he's from the UK, though, where it rains all the time. That's the first time Ricardo's <laughs> seen rain. <laughs> no, not. But yeah, he's, you know, I get what you're saying, but I'm not going to let it poop my Ricardo party. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I really do think Norris would have been on pole and you, the gap would have been about one half, two seconds, and then we'd be talking differently about this, I think, personally. But I guess he was there to. Uh, perform so yeah yeah but I, I still don't think it, it's a it's a turning point I'm just glad to see Happy Ricardo again to be honest mm. nice to see Happy Ricardo it's good yeah sorry sorry you just froze there a minute but I did hear that uh, yes yeah I think we've covered most of qualifying I mean the big incident at El Rouge we, we, we do have a bit of time to, to talk about this. So uh, we, we heard a bit of what you said before, Adam, but do you think they do have to make an actual change to the corner? Because from what I've read, none of the drivers have said that. They've just said they should bring gravel back, they should change the barriers. And I think that's what should happen. I don't think the actual corner needs to change. Yeah, I... I don't know. It's such a difficult one because, well, firstly, I don't see what they can really do. Like, mm. it's a track in the hillsides of the Ardennes Forest. It's not, you know, it's not Bahrain or it's not poor cars. There's not just, you know, acres of flat land that they can build over. So, you know, and bringing back gravel traps has its own problems because, you know, they're kind of less effective at slowing down cars than tarmac and there's the flipping risk as well if you dig in. Mm. So I think I think people need to look, you know, smarter people than me need to look at it and, you know, take all of those factors into account and because it's not, you know, it's seeing kind of what's happened there at that corner over the last few years, you know, there is a lot that can go wrong. And, you know, it's, I think it's a more manageable risk in the drive, but you can't have it where every time there's a work race there, then, you know, it's undrivable or, you know, the the risk factor goes up by so much. So, yeah, I, I don't really know because there are problems with gravel and grass as well. And it seems to be the main advocates for that are, you know, that the kind of psychological effect it has on the drivers, um, mm. you know, which I understand as well. But equally, you know, there's not, they can't really push the barriers back anymore because there's a hill in the way. So, yeah, I, 
I don't really, you know, I'm not an expert in a, on it, so I can't, but I hope, you know, people do look at it and try and make some changes because it's, you know, it's quite terrifying when you see crashes like this in the W series. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm being, I might, I might have got this wrong, but the W series crash, I'm, with that incident in particular, I feel that could have happened at any other corner because of the way, it is more because of the rain and I think, the, the drivers all took that line anyway. I think they all kind of misjudged it. Is that? I, I think. Mean, I, to be fair, I, I've only seen it a couple of times. So I didn't. I didn't really want to watch it. That much, I think. From what I yeah, I think I, I'm similar. I think the the kind of there's three issues that are the speed. Well, mainly the speed and the proximity to the barrier and the fact that it's a corner. So you are having to change your line or, you know, change, um, you know, where you are in terms of the track. Um, but you're doing it at the speed of a straight and there's not much wiggle room on the left-hand side if you do hit the barriers, whereas other corners that are kind of flat out tend to have a lot wider barriers on, yeah. you know, on the outside. So I think that's the issue is, you know, not not necessarily the corner itself, but, proximity of the, of the barriers to it the fact that it's flat out and then the fact that if you hit it at an angle which is kind of what the barriers are you know designed for um it they don't kind of catch you that you can then bounce back out over the it doesn't take much to bounce back out over the over the track which is maybe something gravel would help with actually you know because that you know it's more effective at slowing cars down kind of once they have hit um, hit the barrier, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty unique crash to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that one is, but yeah, I think you are right. There's been too many incidents. I feel definitely, and that, with Senna Tamarello, right? The people say that they kind of saw it coming because there've been crashes there before, and Gerhard Berger and stuff. The long left hander, and then they did eventually change it, change it only after Senna died. So I hope that's what's kind of thinking. Like why I'm thinking should they change it because ultimately people didn't change it in time for Senna's unfortunate death. So yeah. I kind of hope it doesn't the same thing doesn't happen here and then in, in two years or whatever we say oh they should have put a chicane in or they should have changed the profile or, or, or whatever. Mm. But, but equally it is a you know ah now I, I'm really fifty fifty. But I think my solution would be gravel. And tech pro barriers because they don't have, they don't have them at the moment. And tech right. pro barriers normally absorb the car; yeah. they don't bounce back, but yeah. they don't bounce out as much. So that would be that's what I would do. Now, obviously, I'm not an expert, but just from crashes we've seen before when they do have tech pro barriers, I think oh, if O'Rouge had that, I think that would help a bit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what no, I'd do. no, I I completely what I completely get what you're saying, and it's. I'm torn as well because as it is racing, it's kind of, that is what's most unique to F1. And it's sometimes, obviously we all know that drivers are on the limit, but that is somewhere where you can really see the driver and the car and the physics all on the limit at, you know, the fastest speeds in motorsport. And, you know, I, I completely agree, you know, with what you're saying. And I think your solution is, you know, it sounds a, Sounds a good one. So yeah, it's it's really difficult because I don't think you can change. You know, if you change it, you've 
God leaves bar. I don't really see how you can, you know, change the corner that much. Or you know, if you put a chicane in that, it just kind of massive, massively reduces the appeal of racing at Spa. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really difficult one. And as motorsport fans, we want to see you know the best racing. And you know, we saw several times in the F3 um, drivers going side by side through there, and we saw um, you know Perez and Gasly last year going side by side, incredible, incredible overtake. And but you know, equally, we don't want to see massive crashes and driver injuries or fatalities so it's yeah yeah it, it's just kind of you know it's it's not kind of what's the acceptable risk or not but i guess looking yeah looking at how best you can like reprofile it while still trying to keep you know what's special about the corner in the first place really yeah definitely it'd be interesting to see what freddie says when he when he's next up we definitely ask mm. him uh, about that but in terms of from the rest of the weekend, because we didn't really have a race, uh, I don't think there's many other talking points, Adam, that I can... Um, I thought Alpine's performance was quite surprising, considering mm. they've got Alonso and Ocon, which are two strong wet weather drivers, and Alonso was 14th, and Ocon was 9th, and last of the Q3 runners by a full second from Bottas. So I was quite surprised by that, um, if we're kind of looking at Performance Raikkonen was, you know, normally goes well in the world and that spa, and he was 19th, which wasn't fantastic. Um, and Lance Stroll, you know, we all know what he can do in the wet or in kind of drying conditions or tough conditions. You know, we saw at Turkey last year and Monza a few years ago, as you've already mentioned. So I think they were the, they were probably the biggest surprises where I thought they'd do, they'd do better and they did. Yeah. Um, Alpine is struggling and wet in Imola as well, I think, mm-hmm. in the race. So I guess that could kind of be expected, although they did have, they are in pretty, or they were in good form. Stroll doesn't surprise me, <laughs> right? And then he's never been the best qualifier, I guess. Although, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, I think particularly Alpine, it's got to be something with the car. Because like, mm-hmm. Alonso and Ocon are really strong in the wet, and yeah. you know, for them to be kind of so far off the pace is not something you'd expect. Um, there was someone else as well, I've forgotten who it was. Oh, yeah, the Tifi is he like secretly a wet weather god? <laughs> <laughs> he did spin in Q1, to be fair. I think he's the first driver yeah, to like quite... spin with any, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, he was on intermediate, so I don't, yeah. I don't hold that against him too much, but. Yeah, like, is he secretly, or is it just the Williams? I don't know, but he's he's done well a few times. You know, obviously Hungary was on a drying track, and yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. But I think just generally looking down the grid, it's a real leveller. Having the rain in there is a real leveller, and, you know, just puts, like, you know, Verstappen, Russell Hamilton, Ricardo, Vettel, Gasly, Perez, that's you six know, fantastic teams. Mm, yeah. That's a fantastic top eight, and you know, really strong uh, top seven, and you know, they're all really strong drivers, and kind of, you know, go well at drivers' tracks, or you know, it it's it just kind of it's where the cream rises to the to the top, and I think you can really see that this yeah. weekend. In fact, particularly that top six actually with six different teams. You know, just a lot of the time, how far ahead they were from their teammates. Um, yeah, I think it says a lot, and it's fascinating to see that. Absolutely, 
And that's what the wet does, doesn't it? It, it levels the playing field. We get to see the drivers like go for it. We get to see who's best on the day. Mm. And it was just a shame we didn't get a race for it. It would have been mm. it would have been brilliant, I thought, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, just one of those once in a 12-year thing. <laughs> I mean, you said we've not had the really memorable race at Spa in a while <laughs> and it wasn't memorable for the best reasons but yeah. at least we have had that I, I'm really gutted because I think it would have been a fantastic battle I think Russell up there I was so ready for him to overtake Verstappen at the end of the camel straight I was like height I was ready um, seeing the Hamilton Verstappen battle how that played out would have been really fascinating as well yeah that would have been brilliant um, obviously Norris kind of making his way up there would have been so many, um, so many kind of things to track, and we just didn't get any of that. So I feel really gutted. You know, obviously, as we said, I think we both agree that it was the right decision not to race, but I'm gutted that it was in that position and that we weren't able to race because it would have been a race for the ages. So, yeah, I think disappointed with that. The only positive is that it's Zambor next week. We've not got a big break. Yeah. So, you know, we can come back next weekend and um, get straight back into it. Absolutely, and we'll be back with a podcast in a few days to preview that. We'll also probably talk about uh, Perez and Alonso signing their contracts then as well, because uh, that, that was a bit of news that came out oh, yeah. in the last week. So, yeah, we'll probably talk about that then, because I don't think there'll be many other talking points unless something big happens, which you never, which you never know. Maybe the return of Freddie. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But like it should be, we should be back in the country or in your country at least. Um, so <laughs> country. Well, I'm not, I'm not I... Boris Johnson. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're actually seeing that. No. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, hopefully Freddie will be back, and that will be big news. But otherwise, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens, and yeah, a few bits and pieces to catch up on as mm. well. Yeah. So we'll see what the fallout from Spa is. My screen's gone really dark. So if you are on YouTube, you'll see there's a massive difference like from when we started 45 minutes ago to now. But I think that's it. Thanks to Adam. Uh, and we'll see you in a few days. Bye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot I was recording. There we go. Um...